morning on the, on the king's blood. The king's blood. Every, every year at the beginning of the year, um, at least where, where I work at, uh, we have to watch all of these insurance videos. I mean, and there's like, I mean, I don't know. It, it feels like there's five hours of them. They're the same videos every single year. And they add new ones every year. It's like, uh, it's the, they keep the same old ones. They don't update those. But then they give you just like, hey, some new, some new thing. And uh, one of those videos is on blood-borne pathogens. Blood-borne pathogens. And what do you do if there's any blood anywhere? Right. And how do you treat it? What do you do with it? And basically, I mean, you treat it like this is like you come in with a hazmat suit. You call in the CDC. Right. You get Fauci involved like you just you, it's, it's extreme. Or in our case, we call Jeff. Jeff comes in, takes care of it. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit or preach a little bit about this uh, this issue of blood. Um, and uh, the beginning of the issue comes in is that you, there's an issue with your blood. There's something wrong with your blood. Your, your blood is no good. Uh, there's a reason why they come out, you know, and they disinfect it and they wipe it down and they've got the gloves on. And well, when you, after you're done cleaning up the blood, you've got to take the gloves off inside out and then take the other glove off inside out and roll it all up into a ball and throw it away and do all these special procedures. Why? Because even, even uh, a lost education system understands that there's something wrong with your blood. Right. The Bible understands. Uh, listen, I, I may make a joke about it, but you know what the Bible knew? The Bible knew that there was something wrong with your blood. Uh, the truth is, is that your blood is no good. Uh, in a sense, you were each of you, myself included, born with a blood disorder. And um, the problem is, is that uh, you are a child of your parents. So you say, you know, I mean, I blame my parents. All kinds of stuff for making me weird. Right. So I, says, you know, I have inherited weirdness. Right. And uh, for whatever reason, my children have inherited a double dose of weirdness. Right. Like as much as my mom is frustrated by us growing up and just always nitpicking how every single thing was said. I have three little versions of that that all pile on and you can't say anything without them just really just needling in. And you're just like, oh. This is so hard to come home. Sometimes you just sit out in the driveway and like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to deal with these people. And you just like, you just really pray and get your act together and like, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be on my best behavior. And you come in and they're just man, right on top of you. But, um, you're a child of your parents. And here's the thing is that your parents, uh, their blood was no good. Uh, their parents blood was no good. Uh, none of their blood was any good. And they passed that blood on down to you. And you will, if you haven't already, pass that uh, bad blood down to your kids. And to be precise, the story is told through the lines of Genesis uh, from chapter 3 with the fall of man. And it's made clear in the New Testament uh, in the book of Romans. I'll turn over there real quick. It's Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 gives you a real clear indication that... Uh, uh, the, the reason that you're no good is because of who you come from, right? I'm not trying, you know, the, the Bible's, uh, uh, the Bible's a mirror that holds itself up, ac uh, holds yourself up accurately, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever been in one of these carnivals where they have the fun house, and, right? And they've got all the different uh, mirrors and they're all warped different ways. And, you know, some of them make you look tall and thin and others make you look short and fat, right? Uh, you know. 
there's a joke in there, but I'll avoid it. I've already offended you early enough. David, that one that you thought made you short, that was just a normal... <laughs> that, that wasn't a fun house. That was just the regular... I, I say that to David because he can take it. But uh, the Bible's an accurate mirror. And uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12... Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered, uh, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Uh, you got that from Adam. Right? Uh, verse uh, 13, For until the law, sin was in the world. Uh, verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Uh, you got your problem a long time ago. You got your problem all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. So it's like, man, I don't like this preacher. He just gets up there and tells me I'm no good. Hey, I'm at least going to give you the excuse, right? The excuse is, the reason is, is that you've inherited a blood disorder. You got it from Adam. Your parents got it from their parents. You got it from their parents. You got it from their parents. Who eventually you're going to run all that line all the way back up through, uh, through Noah and into the other side of the flood on up to Adam. You got a blood problem. And uh, you inherited sin. So your blood is no good. It's, it's in your genetics, right? It's in, in your blood. Now, I'm not telling you that as, as an excuse to sin, but you've got a blood problem. Uh, you are or were in dire need of a blood transfusion. So I don't know if you're in here and you're lost this morning, you've got a blood problem and your blood problem hasn't been fixed yet. There's all kinds of blood problems. I mean, listen, even in the medical world, we run into all kinds of blood problems and blood infections and autoimmune diseases and uh, bone marrow problems and all of those types of things. We'd be willing to admit that, medically speaking, that blood problems are not foreign to us. The problem that is foreign to us sometimes is the fact that sin came in from Adam and has gone down through the line all the way down to you. And this morning, I'd like to look at what the blood of the king can do or has done. Say, well, I've already applied the blood of the king. Okay, then there ought to be plenty of places in here where you can amen and praise the Lord that you got good blood, right? That your blood problem got fixed. Uh, the first thing I want to look at is in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 uh, and in verse 25. Romans chapter 3 verse 25. Now I told you I'd go over to 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. So while you're going to Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read 1 John uh, chapter 1 verse 7. I'm going to come back to it later. But it says this. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And notice this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's uh, an interesting thing regarding what uh, uh, the illustration I gave you is you see blood on the ground. I uh, was in um, uh, in a bathroom, uh, public school bathroom uh, earlier this week. And I saw a man just uh, trash can kind of heap it over with the with the brown paper towels that absorb absolutely nothing. I don't know if you've ever seen these public school big rolls of brown paper towels and you just rip them off and they put them in the thing. I think that if you spilled anything and tried to wipe it up with a brown paper towel like they have in the school, you wind up with like somehow there's more mess than there was to begin with. Like they absorb nothing. Right? It might as well, I don't know, it might as well be cellophane. It just does nothing. Well, on the top of that pile, somebody had a bloody nose or something. I mean, that whole top of that trash can was just uh, blood there, and there was blood on the ground, all this kind of, it's just a mess. 
right? And you look at that, and even as you look at it, you're like, man, that's gross, that's nasty, I don't want to touch that. And, but the blood of Jesus Christ is a, to us, it's a contradiction. Because what it says there over there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, is that His blood is not just not like our blood, it's not just different than our blood, it's the opposite of our blood. Our blood is a problem. Right? And I, I work with problems all day long. That's my job, is problems, as a math teacher. I mean, that's, that's all I, that's like I just give people problems all day long. Right? And I try to teach them so, the solutions. But listen, if you could be equated down to a math problem, it's this, is that your blood is a problem. But what you learn there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, is that His blood is the solution. Your blood makes a mess. Your blood is nasty, dirty, filthy, corrupt, and it's a hazard. His blood cleans. I mean, His blood cleans better than, I'm trying to think of the name of the bald guy right now and all the cleaner stuff. He, his blood cleans better than Mr. Clean. Man, Mr. Clean's got nothing on the blood of Jesus Christ. But go, if you will, and look at uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. So I've got a good place to start here. It says, Whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, dear Lord God, Lord, I'm thankful for the blood. Lord, I'm thankful that the blood has been applied to my life. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, that uh, if there is a chance that somebody's hearing this sermon that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they'd be under conviction, uh, Lord, listening to this, knowing that their blood is no good, that they've inherited a blood problem, but, Lord, there's a solution, and it's through your Son, and it's through His blood, the blood of the King. Uh, Lord, I pray you get all the praise and the glory and honor this morning. These things are praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it uses a word there that we don't really use that much, even though you've probably read through your Bible at least a few times and you probably come across that word. And that word is propitiation. Propitiation. Let me read it again. It says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. Well, what does that word propitiation even mean? Well, I'll tell you this. It's the, uh, the act of appeasing wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person. You know that before I got saved, the Bible said that the wrath of God was upon me. And that the Lord was angry with me. The Lord was uh, at odds with me and I was at odds with God. There was a problem between him and I. There was a case against me. There was a problem with my blood and I was a sinner. And it caused a divide between me and a holy God. And it took something special to fix that situation. It took propitiation. There needed to be that so that his wrath could be appeased. I've often given uh, the illustration. There's a, a lady who was uh, on her deathbed. She's in the hospital. And for years and years and years, her husband and her son had been at odds. They wanted nothing to do with each other. They couldn't be in the same room with each other. They had had an argument. They'd had a fight. They 
wanted nothing to do with each other. But as this lady was on her deathbed there in the hospital, she called her son and she called her husband in. And I don't know what she said, but I do know that she did this. She grabbed her husband's hand and held it over her chest and reached across the other side of the bed and grabbed her son's hand and held it across her chest and she brought those two hands together. She brought her son and her husband together. Why? Because, listen, the son loved the mother and the husband loved his wife. It took a mediator to bring them together. You know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? It says that there is one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Not Mary, not the Pope, not you, not me, not the pastor, not anybody else you can think of. There is one mediator between man and God. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Why? Because, listen, he's 100% man and 100% God. And so he came down, he was uh, born of a virgin, he became flesh, and he knew, uh, he, uh, he never committed sin, right? So sorry, I'm butchering the verse here. His Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. He became sin for me. And his death on the cross was him reaching down, uh, reaching up to God and reaching down to man and bringing those two hands together and doing what? By his blood, he appeased the wrath of God. And he brought me to God and he brought God to me because as a 100% man and a 100% God, he could understand the temptation of man yet without sin and understand the perfection of God. Because here's the problem, without Jesus Christ, mankind cannot under, uh, understand the perfect holiness of God. We can't understand it, can't get our head wrapped around it. And you know what God can't understand? God can't understand the temptation of sin. Jesus Christ stood in the gap between us and brought us together and spilled His blood, that His blood and faith in that blood would be the propitiation. He appeased a wrath that we could not appease. He conciliated the favor of the offended person. God was offended in your sin. He conciliated that. It's the atoning sacrifice to assuage wrath. And that wrath was in blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It took blood. It was always going to take blood. It took blood from the very beginning. The very first sin that was committed in the garden, blood was spilt. As the Lord took that little lamb and brought it over before Adam and Eve and slit its throat and gave them and made them coats of skins that might cover their nakedness, a picture of Jesus Christ who would one day die as the, uh, brought as a lamb to the slaughter, an innocent lamb to cover sin, to cover our sin. To cover a price that we could not pay. Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe. Because I owed a debt I could not pay. But that had to be paid in blood. So from the beginning, blood was spilt. All the way through until Moses, whenever the sacrificial lamb's blood had to be put across the doorpost of that house. So that the death angel would pass over. 
And the illustration still goes today is that in order for you to get in, the blood of the Lamb of God has to be applied to the doorposts of your heart so that the death angel passes over. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And whenever I applied the blood of Jesus Christ to my life, that death passes over. But the blood of Jesus Christ is not only a, pro a propitiation, it not only appeases the wrath, it not only atones and con uh, conciliates, but it's redemption. Go, if you will, to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and find verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Through His blood. Uh, listen, uh, Jesus Christ always had to die. Why? Because He always had to shed the blood. His blood is perfect. I'm glad to say that my sins are not in just remission this morning. Some of you familiar with cancer know that there's a great difference between uh, redemption and remission. That I have been redeemed. Have you been redeemed? I'll tell you this, if you're redeemed here this morning, it's by the blood of the Lamb. That to me is one of the things that infuriates me. You, you buy, well, I mean, listen, Brother Wilcox, we know that there's a great many things that tick you off. <laughs> But that's one of the things that ticks me off uh, about the thought that that baptismal pool back there can save anybody. Because it's water. You know what you needed? You didn't need water. You needed blood. What is it that, say, that the saying goes? Blood is thicker than water. That water does nothing for you but the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't substitute the water for the blood. The water adds nothing. You know what water does to blood? Like water does to anything, it dilutes it. It becomes no good. It becomes less valuable. Uh, in a large sense, uh, enough water will make something worthless. You know what I needed? I needed the pure blood of Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. That's what you needed. You needed His blood. Why? For the redemption. I've been redeemed. What does that redeemed mean? That means I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm not my own. Are you redeemed? Boy, once you understand the price that was paid for you, it begins to change things in your Christian life when you understand that you've been redeemed. Now listen, uh, I stood as a slave upon an auction block, and until the moment that I received Jesus Christ, I was the pure ownership of Satan. Why? The Bible says that ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. And Jesus Christ came by and said, if, uh, if you'll have me, I've got a payment for you. But you've got to decide if you want to come with me or not. So what's the payment? Well, I spilled my own blood for you. I died for you. But it's up to you whether or not you come with me. And whenever I decided to come with him... I'm His. Why? He redeemed me. Not with money. Not with false promises. But He didn't just make me His servant. Listen, there's three different levels to the Christian life. You can be His servant. 
And you can live your life as His servant. The Bible says that uh, our service to Him is a reasonable service. Listen, there's nothing wrong with serving Jesus Christ out of a debt that He paid for you. But listen, I'll tell you what, there's a a closer walk than just that of being a servant, being a slave. And that's being His son. But you know what? He promised me beyond just being His son. He adopted me. He adopted me by His blood. But He also made me His bride. And that relationship gets closer and closer and closer. I don't care. You know, listen, it'll be up to you in terms of how you want to walk with Him. But my introduction to Him came in as being bought. And He adopted me. And one of these days He'll marry me. What? How did that all begin? By His blood. I was redeemed. You've been redeemed? Whose are you? There's a great many Christians today that say that they've had the blood applied, but they act like they're still their own. They disannul the blood of Jesus Christ by living however it is that they really want to live. They make their own decisions. They go their own way. They walk where they want to walk. They talk how they want to talk. They live how they want to live. They're bought with a price, but they disacknowledge the buyer. Go, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Mentions it again here. I'm going to start in verse 13, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? That's where you were before Christ came. That's where you were before you were bought. You were uh, kept by the power of darkness. It says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us to the kingdom of his dear son. I don't know. I shouldn't have to say this to this group. But you know where you were headed before Christ paid that price for you? Was it the grave? Was it annihilation? I think we've, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's been like, what, five or six weeks now if you've paid any attention on Wednesday nights. Started off with a Bible study on hell, and then you got more hell, and then even more hell. And then I think the the last title was, wow, that's a lot of information on hell. (laughs) Why? Because hell's a real word and hell's a real place. And I was headed my own way. I, you know, growing up around different music and, you know, being, uh, having parents who were, you know, children of the 60s and 70s and, you know, watching movies and things like that and think of a song, Go Your Own Way. Right? Anybody remember that, that kind of hippie song? Right? Forrest Gump soundtrack, right? Go your own way. Yeah, you can go your own way. Everybody has, the, everybody has the freedom and the free will to go their own way. But you know where your own way will take you and where it was taking you? It was taking you straight to hell. You can go your own way. The Bible says that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein at. Right? Man, you want to get to heaven? My kids, uh, one of their favorite things to watch, they, they like watching, uh, I think it's, 
It's on Amazon Prime. It's Pil Pilgrim's Progress and the path to the celestial city, heaven. And it's a narrow path. What, I, I think one of the first places it has in there is the, the swamp of despondence. I kind of laughed at that last night. I was like, it's like I'm a dues-paying member at the Swamp of Despondence, <laughs> but I'm on my way to that city. Right? You heard a great sermon from Brother Peacock not too many weeks ago. What? The path to the palace? path to the palace will take you to a pit, won't it? Take you to some hard places. Take you sometimes into a prison cell. Take you to some hard places. But listen, I've been redeemed. And I'm on my way to the palace. I'd sure rather have a hard time getting to the palace than have an easy time getting to hell. I'd like to take the narrow, long, hard walk to heaven. Then get on the freeway to hell. I'm glad I've been redeemed. I'll, you know this, and many of you know this from personal experience. Has it been an easy time? No. <laughs> We sit around, especially the men on Wednesday nights, and we, we talk about what's going on. You know, there's some of you that I, I know full well, man, you going through it with jobs and illnesses and all kinds of different things. You're going through it. But man, you ought to be able to praise the Lord this morning and say, I've been redeemed. Listen, uh, you know, uh, people in my house have been sick. Finances are tight. Jobs are iffy. But I'll tell you what, I've got one thing down for sure. I'm headed to heaven. Amen? I mean, listen, that's the great thing about being redeemed, about being bought by Jesus Christ, is that no matter how hard life gets, I know where I wind up at. And there, there's nobody's going to take that from me. There's no set of circumstances that can take that away. I can't take that from me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because if I could lose it, I'd lose it. I would have lost it probably 20 minutes after I got it. Man, there's some real comfort in knowing that on the worst days, I've been redeemed. On my most stressful day, you know what will take some of the stress out of your day? Is reminding yourself whose you are, and who bought you, and who owns you. I'm glad he owns me. You ever worked for a bad boss? Some of you. We don't talk in church, but... <laughs> that was your situation before you got saved. So I don't like that illustration of being a slave and having a master. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not very politically correct anymore. I don't care what's politically correct. You were a slave before, and you're a slave now. But can I say this? The master is a lot better. I know that you, you want to hear the phrase boss. No, master is somebody who bought you. Were you not bought? You weren't hired by Jesus Christ. You're not employed by Jesus Christ. You were bought. But I'll tell you what, hasn't he been a good master? I mean, listen, you were owned by somebody that was taking you to hell before. And you're owned by Jesus Christ. Now I'd say that employment has gotten a lot better, but I'll tell you what, better service. Better outcome. Harder walk. You've been redeemed. Now what bothers me there in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14, it says, In whom we have redemption... 
even the forgiveness of sins. That's what it says in the NIV. Let me read it again. This is how the NIV reads it. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption. Oh, well, that's Jesus Christ. Even the forgiveness of sins. What's missing, folks? Through the blood. You know what those Bibles took out? And I shudder to call them Bibles. They took out the blood. Listen, I got in because of the blood. I got in because blood was spilled. I got in because a price was paid. I got in because they took Jesus Christ to an old rugged cross and they took those spikes and they put them through his wrist and they put him on either side and put him through his feet and they gouged his sides out with a cat of nine tails till he could see the bones, till they plucked out his beard till you couldn't even tell he was a man. Listen, Jesus Christ spilled his blood for me. You don't take away the blood. I got in because of the blood. You don't get in without the blood. You need the blood. Don't forget the blood. I wouldn't read a book that takes out the blood. You know what redemption is? It's deliverance from bondage. It's deliverance from distress. It's deliverance from liability to any evil. It's deliverance from forfeiture, either by money, labor, or other means. Man, when He redeemed me, He delivered me. He delivered me from my bondage. He said, whenever Jesus Christ saved me, uh, whenever He's over there in the New Testament, He says, take my yoke. Because it's easy and it's light. You know what I appreciate about the Christian life is that since he, he bought me, He didn't put a yoke on me heavier than I could bear. In fact, He took the yoke of bondage off of me and the yoke He put on me I can barely feel. Do you know what I'll have a tendency to do? I'll have a tendency to start adding things to that yoke. Try to add works to that yoke. Try to make the things that the Lord has given me um, freedom to do and turn them into weights and laws. The Lord gives me the freedom to come to church. I think, man, I think the reason a lot of folks don't want to come to church is because the way the preacher talks about it, the way people treat it, is that if you don't come to church, you're no good. Listen, I want you to come to church because of what you get out of it. Because it's good for you. Not because of it, it's some, you know, well, I went to church today. Well, listen, that's not what it's about. Man, it's about worshiping the one who bled for you. About having an opportunity to do that with a bunch of other people. Well, I can just do that at home. Then you're missing out. Then you're missing out on worshiping Jesus Christ with a group of people that, who all had Him die for them. Man, I want to worship Him with you, not by myself. And that, I mean, listen, the rest of the world gets that thing right. About every other wicked thing that they do, don't they? I mean, listen, people that drink, do they like drinking alone? No, they want people to join. They want you to drink. People doing drugs, they don't like doing drugs alone. They want you to do it with them. Right? Somehow the lost world can get it figured out that it's better to be with people than it is to be alone. How is it that a bunch of saved people, quote unquote, want to be alone all the time? Man, I want to worship. I want to worship with you. I want you to worship with me. 
Man, I love that book. I want to be around people who love that book. I want to have fellowship with people who love that book. I want to be around the other servants of Jesus Christ. Why? Because many hands make light work. We can do a bunch of stuff together. It's harder to do whenever you're alone. You're an encouragement to me. I hope I'm an encouragement to you. I don't know if I am, but at least if I'm not being encouragement to each other. Isn't it easier to go on in the week that whenever you've been here and you've been around other Christian folks? I think so. You know what? I think you ought to read your Bible. I think you ought to read it every day. But sometimes you hear that so much that you think, well, I'm no count Christian and I didn't get my Bible read today. No, listen, here's what I want you to understand about reading that book. It's good. I mean, that's a good book. That's an encouraging book. I know there's a lot in it whenever you look at it and say, you can't say, oh, if you can't say amen, you just say, oh, me. I say, oh, me a lot. <laughs> I look at the things in that book as it holds itself up as a mirror to me and find, oh, my, that's me. But man, I read in, whenever I read about Jesus Christ, the words are amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Man, there's better stuff coming. One of, the day, one of these days, I hope it's a, today, I hope the Lord cuts me off. Whenever He says, come up hither and takes us home. Man, I hope He comes back on a Sunday morning. We all go up together. Man, just shoot right through that roof, looking down at the whole place, smiling at each other. Man, we're going. Can you believe we're going? I mean, I think you get up about 50 feet above the church, and you start looking around, and everybody, I can't believe it, we're going. It's happening. Right? I've been saved. Some of you saved longer than others. Like, man, I didn't think this day would ever come, and now it's happening. I don't know how quick it'll happen, but boy, I hope there's enough time to realize what's happening. Look around, and we're high-fiving each other or whatever, and you're looking up, and there's the Lord. Man, this is the first time my eyes have ever seen Him. And I don't know, you're in the Spirit. The body's left down there on the ground. There's blood everywhere. And you're like, man, I hope nobody down there was lost. <laughs> Man, we're just we're about to go get the, the judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage of the Lamb. I'm gonna to get to throw my crowns down before the one who bled and died for me. Man, I'm gonna to get to be with the Lord forever. New body, new everything. Why? Because of some blood. Don't take away the blood. The blood's how I got in. My blood was no good. He gave me a blood transfusion. He made me his son. He delivered me from bondage. I'll tell you, He delivered me from distress. I don't know how long it's been since you've been saved, but do you remember before you got saved how in distress you were? There's a passage over there in, uh, it'd probably be over there in either 1st or 2nd Samuel, I think it is, but uh, David gets over there and he gets over in a cave. And it says uh, that anybody who is in distress, anybody who is discontented, Anybody who's in debt, they came to him, and that became his army. I'll tell you what, uh, the Lord met me in a cave when I was in distress over going to hell, and he uh, saved me, and he put me in his army, and he's let me be a part of it. And you know who those men in that cave who were just down and outers, you know who they became? They became David's mighty men. You were in distress. Oh, we're going to hell. You were in debt to your sin. You were discontented because you couldn't get to heaven on your own. And the Lord saved you and bought you with His own blood. And He put you in His army. And now you know what you are as you serve Him. You're, David's, or you're God's mighty man. Man, he, he took nothing and He turned you into something if you let Him.
Why? Because of the blood? I don't know. I think that's kind of encouraging, don't you? That my debt was redeemed? I'll say this, is that he delivered me from liability. I'm his now. You know what I appreciate about the Lord is that now I have a, a higher authority than myself. Like I said, now listen, uh, I, before I got saved, now granted, I got saved at eight years old, but let's say I lived that way for a long time. Well, it's just whatever I think, right? You know, I, I decide what's right for me. I decide what's wrong for me. I decide the path for my life, right? I decide what I'm going to do. I decide what I believe. I decide what I think. You know what you are when you decide that you're going to be uh, the end-all, be-all of who you are? You're liable. Man, whenever I became a Christian, you know what? I got a book, and I got God's mind, and I got His will for my life. And if you don't like what God's doing in my life, guess what? He's liable. I pass the authority up to Him. You don't like what it is that I have to say? Take it up with my boss. Take it up with the one who bought me. You don't like how it is that I'm serving him. Right? If you're obeying him and somebody else doesn't like it, you can say, talk to my Savior. You don't like, you know, you don't like the gospel I'm preaching? Take it up with the book. Take it up with my boss. He's the one who's got the liability now. Right? Amen? I mean, I appreciate that he took the liability off of me. I'm not responsible for my own life. He's responsible for it. I'm not responsible for my salvation. I'm not trying to do a bunch of good works hoping that I get in. He took the liability. He says, it's on me. Man, isn't that the greatest insurance policy you ever got? I got full coverage. Now, I don't even have to admit it. I mean, listen, haven't you been glad if you got full coverage on something, somebody dinged you, and you're like, man, that would have cost me. You take it over to some collision repair place, man, that'll be $12,000. I was watching some video. Somebody, I mean, uh, somebody had a Tesla or something like that, got rear-ended, took it over to a place. Yeah, it's $7,000. Man, the guy was happy. It was under warranty, paid for, right? You probably had some stuff been paid for, haven't you? Man, I'm glad we've got poor people's insurance. You know why? Man, take care of our, our boys. Fixing them up, man, I'm glad for good insurance, but man, I ain't ever had better insurance than Jesus Christ. And that blood. Because he said, once I saved you, you're saved, brother. You're not trying to keep it. Right? I can, you, you say you get a bunch of those insurance rates. You, got, you, mean, listen, you got regular TV. I bet you watch probably 50 Geico commercials, and then you got the radio, and they're all over there. And, you know, save you 15 percent on insurance by switching to Geico. I mean, well, everybody's trying to get lower and lower and lower and lower rates. How about this? Nothing. It was a free gift. What did it cost? Everything. What, by who? By the insurer. The insurer paid the debt, and it cost me nothing. You ever hear of a better deal than that? Man, you're fooling yourself if you ever heard something better than that. And he said, what will it cover? Absolutely everything. What are the benefits? Well, at the end of it, we'll send you to heaven for all eternity and where you'll be happy and you'll have a perfect body that never runs down and you'll get to serve the king. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> I'd say if you're in here and you're watching this or you're online somewhere and you're listening to this, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a flat fool. 
You, you're just as big a fool and worse than somebody who said, hey, listen, uh, I, I'm part of an insurance company, uh, insurance ABC, and we want to cover your, uh, your car, your house, and do all your life insurance. And uh, the insurance policy covers a billion dollars. Anything goes wrong for the rest of your life. And it will cost you absolutely nothing. You just have to sign here on the dotted line. Well, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'm interested in that. I think it ought to cost me something. I, what, what can I pay? You can't pay anything. Well, I'll make a donation to the insurance company. Listen, brother, you try to make a donation to the insurance company to pay for the contract, and we will avoid it. You can't pay anything for it. That's the, the guy who underwrote the policy said that he's paid for it. Don't let anybody else pay anything. Well, I think I ought to... Well, listen, listen, it's got right here in the contract. Right here in the contract, you can't pay anything. It's already been paid for, brother. It's already been paid for, sister. You can't do anything. That's the way it's been underwritten. That's the contract. You don't like it, you go get some other contract. But I'll tell you what... You won't get the benefits this offers. Not even close. So so I signed another contract where I get to work for it. Okay, great. Uh, What's the outcome? Well, I I get to have a lot of peace of mind and pride right now. Well, what's the end end deal on the policy? Well, I'll die and go to hell, but, you know, uh, at least I'll feel real proud and boastful about it. And I can really boast everybody about how much I paid for my insurance policy. Have you ever talked to anybody that bragged about how much they paid for their insurance policy real high? Oh, man, you know what I do? I have premiums are, my premiums are great. I pay pay $1,000 a week. Pay $1,000 a week for that policy. What do you get? Almost nothing. I get to brag about how much I paid for it. You know what you'd call somebody who came up to you and bragged about uh, spending $1,000 a week on an insurance policy that gave them nothing and wound them up in hell at the end of it? You'd say, you're a fool! Say, why you shout like that? Because it upsets me. It ought to upset you a little bit. I've been redeemed. Not only that, go to Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You know what that is? That's justification. You know, what's, uh, what's justification? That's showing to be just a conformable and conformable to law. Rectitude, a propriety, vindication, defense, absolution. His blood is my defense. Yeah. Satan comes before the throne, says, Chris Wilcox is a sinner. And Jesus Christ, as my advocate, says, not so. I'm his, who are you? I'm his defense. He's not a sinner. So what are you talking about? I paid for his sin. He's justified. And the judge looks at it and says, I'm looking here, and it says that, uh, says that he's not a sinner. Shows that he's been paid for. He's redeemed. He's innocent. Let him go. Justified. Oh, by, by that baptism? 
No, 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 no. Oh, oh by, by, he was a real good fella, you know, I mean, he, he tithed of everything that he had and went to church every Sunday and read his Bible. And Ashlashantai and Taibotai, he spoke in tongues a couple of times and gave, gave to the poor and worked at a soup kitchen. Is that what he did? No. It says here he was justified by the blood of the king. He's justified. That's his defense. That's all I can do is what? Plead the blood, Lord. Lord, I plead the blood. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He makes me innocent. You say, are you, are you, you're, I've known you, Wilcox, you're not innocent. Listen. The Bible says that if we sin in the flesh, we shall in the flesh reap corruption. My flesh is a sinner. My flesh is guilty, but my soul is going to get off scot-free because he paid for it. He bled for it, and he's defended it. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I get to go to the throne. I've got a key to the door. On the other side is God the Father. The holiest. But that key is the blood. In the New Testament it says, Wherefore we can come before the throne of grace boldly to find help in time of need. Why? By the blood. And you see in these, you know, the, the old times where the king is sitting on his throne in a great big throne room and all of that stuff, and the great big doors on the other side, and there's usually an attendant there, and you just hear this rack at the door. Bum, 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 bum. King says, who is it? Guy walks over to the door and peeks in, who is it, you know, comes back, you know, real big throne room. Takes him 20 minutes to get from the door back to the king. So, who, who is he? Says it's, uh, says it's Chris Wilcox, Lord. Says, uh, says he's got the blood. Let him in. That's my son. He lets me come before the throne of grace and I don't have to come, you know, Walking like this, although that's the way I feel like I ought to walk on hands and knees and crawl up to the throne. He says, you can come in just like my son. He said, you can come in. You can come in with your head held high. How you doing, son? What you been up to? And you know what? Sometimes I come in just crying. And I crawl up on that throne and he wraps his arms around me and holds me as I just weep. He says, tell me about it, boy. Man, I just unload. You know why? You know why I can come in there and do that? Because of the blood. There's other days where I get to come in. Who is it? It's Chris Wilcox again. Is the blood still good? That's me asking, is the blood still good? Still good. Still gets you into the throne. I come in and I just wrap my arms around him and said... Lord, just thank you for being so good. I just want to talk to you, Dad. Anything going wrong? No, man, nothing's going wrong. Everything's great. I just want to thank you, God. 
And other times I come up to that door, knock on the door, ask the guy, ask the Holy Spirit, blood's still good, blood's still good, come on in. So what do you need, son? I don't need anything. Dad, I just, just want to hear what it is that you have to say. This one, I, I don't even want to do any talking today. I just, can I pull up a chair and just sit here a while and just enjoy your company? I get to come in because of that blood and I get to come in and have a relationship with the King, my Savior, because of the blood He spilt. All I got to do is say, I've got the blood. That blood's still good. And it's the key to the door. Finally, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what? Sometimes I come in... And I knock at the door, and it's not a bold knock. It's not a, it's a, it's a little sheepish thing. Guy opens the door, said, I don't deserve to come in, but I've got the blood. Can I come in and talk to dad? And man, I'll just want to crawl. So I come before the throne and said, dad. Screwed up again. I've got all this sin. He looks at me and, man, son, you stink. And what is that that you're covered in? You're just filthy, boy. Son, no, Lord. I know, Dad. Will you clean me up? covered in sin and I can't can't get it off it's like tar and as much as I try to scrape and clean and you know I've, I've I've attempted some good works but man that stuff is just like man all it does is just it seems like it just makes it worse and he said and tell him this, I've, I've read in the instructions Lord that this stuff doesn't come off except by your blood. And I know my soul's good, but Lord, my flesh is corrupt and filthy. And I just want to confess what it is that I've got. And will you wash me in your blood? And he says, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to cleanse you from your sins. And I'll do it with my blood. The same thing that saved your soul, I can clean you up. Won't you come here? But you know what? You don't get cleaned up without going to the Father and taking those things to Him. You don't take them to me. You don't take them to anybody else. Listen, nobody in here can cleanse you from your sin. I can't cleanse you from your sin. There's only one thing that cleans that stuff off. It's the blood. And you know what you ought to do? Before you get all 
covered in that filth. I mean, I don't know. It's that time of year. You know what it is. It's that everything's wet and nasty. And you get out, you get out. I mean, listen, we even call them muck boots now, don't we? (laughs) You got a pair of muck boots. You ever, I mean, listen, I've been around as a kid and had those muck boots on and scraping through the mud. Those boots get to be about 50 pounds. You're just like, man, this is just like this huge amount of mud. It's just, man, it's just caked on. It's everywhere. It's heavy. It's weighty. It's nasty. You're tracking it everywhere and it just piles on. And you know what? If you'd come to him a lot earlier, it wouldn't get piled on so thick. But he says, if you'll confess it, I can clean it. And you know why he won't clean it? The only reason the Lord won't clean it is because you won't confess it. When you mess up, fess up. I'm glad that that blood is not only a key, but it's a cleaner. It's a propitiation, it's a redemption, and it's my justification. I started off by taking you to Romans chapter 5, but I only read the bad parts. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This time, the good parts... For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one's judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What a good king we have. That even his blood is pure and righteous and holy and has the power to save us. And to make us clean. Time would fail to sift through the songs in our hymn book and just sing about the amazing blood that not only has the power to save us, but to keep us. Songs like There is a Fountain, Nothing But the Blood, There's Power in the Blood, and Redeemed by the Blood. But before we leave, there's a question that ought to be asked. In the rare chance that some lost soul either snuck in or accidentally tuned in, are you washed in the blood? Let's pray. Dear Lord God, Lord, I pray you be with these folks here this morning, God. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we never stop appreciating the price of the blood that was spilt. Lord, thank you for the blood. Lord, thank you for saving us, keeping us, and cleaning us. Lord, I pray you be in this time of invitation. Maybe there's somebody, Lord, that Lord needs to apply that blood to the doorpost of their soul, God, and get saved. Lord, maybe it's just somebody that needs to come before the throne and get clean. These things I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.